Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. back to episode seven of the night report podcast co-host michael broadbent reporting back in richie chris we got some good news to talk about at the top of the show for once i mean yeah they, they won Rutgers won a game uh first game in the past four that they've won uh it wasn't pretty by any means but uh, hey they got the win yeah it's, it's good for Rutgers to get uh, you know to get the win coming off the bye week uh you know they're they're all other spirits are high now going into a wisconsin game and, uh, you know, like, like Shanna said, it's a big, big November coming up. And, uh, you know, they still have the pen in their hand, I guess, you know, to write the story. Yeah, it just goes to show how much a bye week can really just not only, like, replenish their bodies physically, but also mentally recalibrate them and get them back on the right course. I feel like that's really all they needed was just a break away and kind of, like, reset themselves. I yeah. mean, yeah, that, that whole bye week kind of got a couple guys healthy. Obviously, Raekwon O'Neal came back and looks pretty damn good. Um, other than that, they're still missing Krukshanks, which hurts. But Bo Melton looks 100% again. Uh, Max Melton's back. He looks pretty good. Um, overall, the team needed that bye. They got a little bit healthier. And now uh, see if they can keep this thing going this weekend. Yeah, it, it's a good point. You know, I know uh, Noah Vedral, you know, kudos to him. He's, you know, he gets he gets hit around like crazy and he comes back in. Uh, but, yeah, during that bye week, he said it was good to get away. Um, he's so focused on, like, you know, watching a ton of film and everything, but you know, he got a chance to get away, hang out in New York City for a little bit, you know, rest his legs. So, uh, yeah, so the team, you know, obviously they, they look recharged a little bit. Uh, you know, and like Richard said, there's still some injuries, but, uh, you know, they're getting healthier. I think the thing that stood out for me most this weekend is how many guys contributed in huge ways to this win. Like it was a, a, about as a true of a definition of a team win as you could possibly come up with for Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that they're finally splitting carries at the running back position. That's a huge difference. Uh, I think Kyle Mononga has more than earned himself. If not, he had what do you have? Fifteen carries compared to Pacheco's twenty-one. If if not, he should have more than that next week, next week or this week, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he's looked really good overall. They used the tight ends. Johnny Wangan, best tight end on the team? Question mark. Man, that that catch on third and long. What a f- that was probably the catch of the year for the team, honestly. I, I thought it I thought it was interesting, uh, crazy to watch. And then if you listen to Greg's press conference on Monday, uh, he kind of talked about how Johnny kind of didn't want to be anything other than the quarterback at first. And then eventually this offseason he bought in, and now it seems like he's that full-time H back tight end type that uh that almost like a Taysom Hill type because you could still use him at quarterback from time to time. That's a good comp. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean he's I, I like Johnny. he's he's a good player, he's a tough dude. Uh, you know, he'll do anything, you know, right, right now on offense. Uh, you know, he carries the ball. He could throw it. He could catch it. That was a phenomenal catch, I know, you know, down the sideline. You know, he got he got sandwiched by, like, two guys. And, you know, he had his, he has big, he has big paws on it. So, it was, it was good. It was, it, was, it was good to see for him. Yeah, I mean, we've all been just huge fans of Corsac when he's done the last, you know, three years he's been here. But I feel like this is the first game where the punting actually made a massive difference. Especially that that one where he downed him at the one yard line, like I think it was in the third or fourth quarter, and they were just backed up. They couldn't do anything. We were stopping the run, and we forced him to move a three and out, and we got the ball right back. Uh, I mean, just phenomenal. Can't say enough about the guy. But yeah, and then and the and the Big Ten still doesn't give him, you know, a full blown. Oh my god, know, I know. You know, Big Ten special teams play of the year. The guy give him, a, you know, co a co a, a co sign there, man. Just just give him the award. You know, he's. Breaking records at Rutgers, they have like, you know, they lead the country in like in like net punting, and uh, you know yard yards per punt, you know somewhere around there too. So, you know, he's he's just a great great kid, and he could have an extra year, uh, you know, next year's and if they say, you know, uh, you know what's called accepts the waiver. So yeah, that that's crazy that he could come back a whole another year <laughs> and just his punting records are he's got to have every Rutgers punting record if he comes back another year, right? Like mm-hmm. easily. Yeah, sure. I think by far. I think he's broken like the net punting record for Rutgers each of the last three years. Mm-hmm. From what yeah. I read, 
He broke that. He broke the longest punt ever, I think, last year. It was like a 71. Yep, against, that, was a, that was against uh, Northwestern in 2018, yeah, I believe. that's what it was. Yeah, absolutely insane. But, yeah, it's yep. phenomenal what he's doing. And I, I don't like that people are saying he can't punt in the NFL. Yes, he takes his time on some punts. But at the end of the day, like, we've seen him rush a couple punts, and it still looks pretty damn good. And it's like mm-hmm. – it's just a style that he's that the, the coaching staff's kind of teaching him, and it's kind of working. If you're going to get enough blocking up front, wait and kind of see what happens. Man, never know. Maybe he'll tuck and run once in a while. Sure. Yeah, that's that's 100 intentional. Like he, if he's not getting a rush, it behooves him to wait longer. So by the time he boots it, the guys can't return it. Like I don't get. Like that is exactly what he's supposed to be doing. I mean, yeah, I, think, no, I he, think he hasn't. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, I, th- I think he hasn't had a touchback in like 94 punts or something like that. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, by the time he's like even getting the ball up in the air, Billy Taylor's already down at 10 already. So like, what's yeah. the difference now? Just wait for the rest of the team to come. And it's like, <laughs> it's insane. I'm actually curious to see how the transition goes between Billy Taylor to Zach Taylor. I know they're brothers and I know they're probably pretty similar in styles. Mm-hmm. I don't know a ton about long snapping, so I'm not going to pretend I do, but I think that's going to be an interesting one. And I think, uh, I think Zach's going to be fill in and just be just as good next year. It's an underrated oh, position. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, the one thing we haven't touched on yet, which I'm sure a lot of fans want to hear your take on, Gavin Wimsat makes his college debut. I mean, that play itself is not one that we've seen Rutgers quarterbacks make in a long time. He looks so calm and collected out there. Like he he had a free rusher coming at him, and he was able to navigate the pocket and hit a wide open Bill Mount, Bo Melton for a first down. Did you guys see that as the way they drew it up to get him in the game, uh, his first snap? Yeah, I mean, about? I think they obviously have a couple packages for him, and I think that's one of them. Um, the, it's just the mobility factor that you just saw there on that one little play is the fact that he can move out of the pocket and still throw on the run and stuff like that, and that's going to make the offensive line look so much better in the future. Maybe the guys won't be a hell of a lot better next year, but as long as they take another step up in, in the trenches, having Wimsat back there with moving uh, yeah, with mobility is going to make these guys look like phenomenal compared to last year and this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was that was a phenomenal play. You know, it was four, it was like I think it was like fourth and five near the end of the third quarter. No went out for the play. Um, yeah, like you said, he said he sidestepped the rusher and just threw a strike, you know, across the body, uh, to Mellon. And uh, you know, he caught it in stride. Like, you know, s- s- sometimes you see nowhere somebody else. Uh, I, I hate to bash him here, but you say under under throw passes or something. But you know, Gavin, you know, had a really great, really great throw. And 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 like you said, he has the mobility factor, and honestly. Uh, it was really good to see all his teammates kind of like kind of rally around him on the sideline. Yeah, you know, he had a I think he had a smile for like the rest of the day. So it was it was it was, it was good to see for for Gavin. And I know uh, somebody asked him on Monday I, or someone asked Shiano uh, on Monday about him redshirting. Um, my guess is the plan is to redshirt him. You know, there's still four games left. He could play in three more. Um, so I'm sure you'll see him in only 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 three more at at best. I mean, you just touched on it. Listen, this defense this weekend is no joke. It's probably the best in the Big Ten. I'm not putting them out on the field against them. I don't care how bad you're losing, how bad you're winning, or how much you're winning by. Regardless, you're not putting them in there out there in garbage time, in my opinion. I think those next three games, all right, we can kind of mess around and try some things against Indiana. The Penn State's a little risky. I don't know if I'd throw them out there either, but maybe garbage time. And then Maryland. Maryland, I'd see what the hell we could do. Give them a series. Yeah. yeah, I think the only way you play him against Wisconsin is if it's a close game and you need like a two point conversion and you throw him in there like for the that. two point conversion. Don't get him out there getting beat up. That's the last thing we need is him being hobbled going into the offseason because spring practice is going to be huge for him. Or maybe, you know, bowl prep. Who knows? We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of like negatives really to talk about from this game. I think the only thing is kind of highlighting that we're still getting torched in the deep passing game uh they had that long touchdown to isaiah williams they had that screen pass to the tight end which was a clear brutal hold on 03 which should have been called back but we're still susceptible to that we still didn't really have a great game through the air like noah was a, a fucking warrior on saturday but he was still 10 for 21 the quarterbacks in, in total were 13 for 27 like there's still some holes on this team we had a win it was a nice win but it was ugly it was a rock play it was what we expected if we were going to win but uh, yeah, on the next week, uh, we've had a lot happen in the last week, surprisingly. Uh, first, we got a commit game on game day from Mike Higgins. We were all kind of expecting that. You guys want to give a little breakdown of what we're getting in Mike Higgins? Um, basically, it's like almost like a Victor Knopka 2.0. He kind of did the same exact transition from Don Bosco hoops to Blair Academy football. Uh, he played his senior year of football at Don Bosco. Looks pretty solid. 
did a prep year at Blair and then uh, Blair, Blair or Hun? I forget which one. It was Blair. Blair. Okay, I was right. Because I think I wrote Hunter originally when I was doing it. But uh, yeah, um, anyway, Blair Academy product. Very good receiver as compared to Kanopka. Um, almost a wide receiver type, which is interesting to me just because he's so new to the game. He only has two years under his belt. Played defensive end at Bosco. Played tight end at Blair. And now he's he almost looks like one of the better receivers among the tight end group already. Uh, if you watch his tape, he's actually really good, uh, really good hands. His catch radius is unbelievable. It's, and I think that's kind of the basketball player in him where you can kind of just jump up and get the ball over the defenders. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not much more to say. He's just a very good receiver type um, tight end. They're going to have to teach him how to block. Obviously that's going to come along with, uh, with his years and red shirting probably I would think, but overall, like a, a pretty solid get, I mean, for this late in the game, you really can't complain there. They needed a tight end. They did their research. They checked out a couple guys here and there. They looked at the uh, the Red Bank Catholic kid in Bauman. They looked at a couple others, and end of the day, they thought Higgins was the guy, and they worked him out, and so be it. So another uh, recruiting surprise for most of the board this past weekend. Uh, Kayer Price, the defensive lineman from DePaul Catholic, decommitted from Syracuse, and there was instantly a lot of speculation that he might end up as a Rutgers commit. Uh, you guys want to talk a little bit about him, where his resurgence on the Rutgers radar came from, and what we might be getting in Kier Price. I hope I'm saying his name right. By the way, uh, I think it's Kier Price. I might be wrong. Kier Price. Okay. I, I might. I might. I might even be wrong on that one. I'm. I'm the worst with pronunciation, so don't quote me on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. I'm awful with pronunciations, as seen with uh, Geo's or the original podcast. No, he, but. <laughs> Hell of a year, though, so far. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I'm, if I'm looking at this right, he has, what is it, six sacks on the year in the Big North, which is pretty damn good at DePaul Catholic. He's got um, 11 sacks and 25 tackles for loss on the year. Is that what it is? Based on what I read, yeah, through well, nine games. Then Max Preps is completely wrong. They're, oh, they're missing, like, six games, it looks like, actually. A um, couple fumble recoveries, though, which, I mean, the, the guy's good. The only question I have with him is Rutgers didn't want to take him back in the summer, which is why he chose Syracuse in the first place. Now it's kind of seems like Rutgers kind of turned on uh, the Jets a little bit on him, decommit it right away. It sounds like he's going to end up at Rutgers. You're adding another big North kid, which always helps with the program. Probably haven't hit DePaul too much over the past couple of years. As the, I, I might think there's a little bit of a talent drop there over the past couple. They've of had some months. really high end guys though. They had like Ronnie Hickman. Oh yeah, they've had one of their. I mean, it's yeah. been it, in terms of Rutgers getting guys, it's been a little quiet. Mm -hmm. um so this is a good get you're building that connection with DePaul again Nunzio Campanelli's brother coach is there um another connection you just it's a it's a decent get but I the only thing I question is he's listed at 6'3 for ours 6'2 something like that I don't know if he's that tall I think he's more like 6'1 maybe six foot-ish but as Julius Turner has proved us wrong like you don't have to be really that big to play on the, on the inside for Rutgers maybe he fits into that Julius Turner type role at the Cocknose or Maybe not. I don't, I think he'll end up on the interior. He does have a little bit of a slow first step and it looks like he's a little too high when he's coming after, after uh, uh, the opposing offense. But overall, I mean, he's putting up numbers in the big North and it's arguably the best conference in college or high school football around here, at least. Yeah. So I what mean, do you I, think? I'm, was... the, I'm the recruiting okay. expert, but I saw price a couple years ago in the playoffs against Donovan Catholic. I covered their, uh, I covered, covered one of their games and I uh, knew he was in the backfield a ton. So, um, I, I think it would be a good get if Rutgers uh, is able to get him. So what do you think changed between the summer and now? Because I doubt he's gotten bigger, right? Has it just been more production? Has he looked faster? What do you think it was? Um, from now until the summer, I think it's, uh, number one, it's based on need. Rutgers need an interior guy. Um, that's 100% a fact. If you look at the scholarship, unofficial scholarship chart, as I like to call it, because we don't have an official one technically. Uh, if you look at that on our board, like it kind of shows you that, let's see if I can pull it up. I think there's only 10, maybe 10, eight to 10, like defensive tackles on a team right now on scholarships. So it's, it's definitely a position of need. Um, other than that, I guess he's, he's just really looked good this season. And that's, that's playing a big factor in his recruitment. It's making other teams start to look at him. Hence why Rutgers kind of put on the jets a little bit and like, all right, come on, we got to get you on board. Like no more waiting. So that's, I mean, that's the plan at least. I'm just, we just submitted a future cast for him. I'm um, probably going to double that on uh, in the war room and talk about that there too. Talk a little bit about this game and uh, throw the stats out there for everybody. 
Gotcha. One last thing on football recruiting. Uh, this is one of the last home games of the year. Do you guys expect a big recruiting turnout this weekend for the game? And do you have any names that you know of right now that are going to be there that might surprise people? Um, no, we didn't get the we didn't get our list yet. We're putting it together as we speak. It's going to be in the war room, of course, as always. Um, nothing big. It's mostly going to be the commits. Um, I know uh, Taj White celebrating his birthday today, so I can give a shout out to him real quick. But he's uh, he's probably going to be there. Most of the commits, like like always, are going to be there. There's going to be a couple 2023s there that are re relatively big names that um, people will see. Uh, can't can't reveal too much yet, but once we get the list, I'll post it on the board, post it on the war room. Everyone will see it. So good to go there. Awesome. I want to pivot to basketball for a few minutes. Uh, so Rutgers, we've already talked about the Villanova scrimmage Ooh. earlier this year. Uh, they they won that one, apparently. Uh, they also had a scrimmage this Saturday against UConn in Connecticut. Uh, what did you guys hear about how this game went? And what do you think that means for Rutgers going forward? Ooh, where, where do I start? Uh, hey, where the, <laughs> I, I got to say, we're the only site that's been getting his info. I'm just pointing it out there. Not to brag or anything, but. No, it's been uh, awesome because this is the kind of stuff that I think fans like really love to hear about, like the stuff that's hard to get a hold of and it's, kind of it, it was behind the tough. scenes. I will admit that it was definitely tough. Um, Rutgers beat them eight points. That's this wasn't this wasn't like their old like the you not UConn the Villanova scrimmage was more of like a like twenty minutes here, and then we're gonna do like a couple drills, then we're gonna do like fifteen minutes and drills and blah blah blah. There, it was like a mix and match. This one I was told was full on forty minute game. No, like, interruptions. Like, they played, like, a legit game. Refs were there, everything. This one was kind of cool, though, because UConn did allow quite a few people in the upper decks. And I'm not going to say that's how I got my info, but, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me specifically. I'll say that. I'm not driving up to UConn. That was too far. Um, but, yeah, no, that's uh, – they did allow some people in. They allowed a lot of scouts in, which is, which is even better news for Rutgers, sort of, because if – unless the scout sees Cliff, it might be a little scary for Rutgers fans, but – <laughs> um anyway yeah no uh they, they looked pretty good from what i was told harper and Jaden jones led the team um i Jaden came off the bench i uh starters i i guess i could tell you the starting lineup it was uh geo what am i thinking geo paul caleb harper cliff like which most people probably expected yep. um off the bench rotational guys it seemed like it was like hyatt jones and uh, Mag, or like the top three rotation guys off the bench. So that's probably give or take your eight-man rotation based on who you're playing. Um, Cliff looked pretty good. Or Cliff looked average. I, I take it back. He looked average, they said, which is kind of expected. UConn's a really good defensive team. I've heard there was a lot of turnovers, which is an issue but in itself. But the fact that Rutgers was down in the first half, apparently came back and won, it's just saying something for this team. They're, they're very resilient. They – are very fast, they're quick. And then um, overall, like you're, you're getting production out of just about everyone, it seemed like. Yeah, and isn't UConn's best player their center too? <clears throat> yeah, so that's like where it's a little tough. But uh, it, it is tough for Cliff. Like he's going to go against some of the best of the best. And I do think he'll have his struggles a little bit here and there. But I do think he'll be a hell of a lot better than he was last year. Yeah, and Rutgers will need him to be. And that, that rotation is, if anybody's been paying attention, that's basically what we've expected uh from everything that you guys have been reporting uh throughout the whole offseason so that's good to hear that they've kind of stuck with that plan another big news item though for Rutgers basketball you've also alluded to this in the past few weeks Rutgers athletic center is now Jersey Mike's arena yeah uh, I got the name you guys wrong. want to talk I'll about how that, that came together I'll admit that I got the name wrong I, I hear I was told it was the Jersey Mike's athletic center whatever close enough <laughs> i thought j mac would have been cooler than jma like come on yeah that would have been cooler whatever uh, it is do you guys want to talk about like the process how this came together um basically um they've been hobbs has been like reaching out to people like non-stop since he's been here since the naming deal rights or naming rights deal went down with the shi stadium it's been reaching out to people non-stop Eventually, they connected with Jersey Mike's, and Jersey Mike's obviously, duh, ton, ton of Jersey connections, um, and it ended up just working out. And I mean, that's a hell of a deal. And I think the fact that this deal was so big at a million a year, at something like a million a year around there, or whatever it was, um, what was it, 28 mil in 28 years or something like that? I think close enough, whatever. But I, the fact that it's that high, I do think that 
SHI Stadium's deal when it's up in 2023, I believe, 2024, whatever it is, that one's going to make that one even higher. So, I mean, this, this is huge. This is big just for naming rights. And if Rutgers is going to just put brands on stuff and make a shit ton of money, and hopefully this adds to some renovations to the rack because we all know it needs it, whether it's – I think bathrooms should be priority number one. I'm tired of waiting in line at halftime the whole time. But, yeah, they, they got to do something with that money, and it's going to be interesting. They're going to add um, – <clears throat> from what I've been told, they're working on more like uh, priority seating, if you want to call it that, whatever, club seating. So there, there's going to be a lot of renovations to this rack. I don't know where exactly they're going to do all this stuff yet, but I think that front, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Facade. Yeah, like facade, I guess. Yeah. That, yeah, that facade looks like shit. It's always like the tops, the, the top part of the roof always looks like the paint hasn't been like touched up in like decades. Which yeah. Maybe it hasn't. That's it's just like not. the bleeding down of, of like the, the dirt and yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's rough i'm curious if they throw like they gotta throw a giant jumbotron on the outside why are they not doing this yeah no i mean i for as long as i've been going to the rack it doesn't look like they've touched it at all and from what i understand like the most significant improvement they made is putting ac in there in like the last like the ac um, that was like 10 years ago at this point yeah yeah (laughs) it's like but like only 10 years ago Yep. Yeah, they got to do something. I know other. I know part of the plan originally was to make that like entryway where they have like I think it's like handicap seating or something right now. Yep. They want to make that like priority seating and then make club seats above that where the offices are currently or were currently. They all right. moved out from what I was told into the the Rock Inn into the the RWJ Barnabas Center. Mm-hmm. So they're all moving out of there. So that's eventually the plan. I think they're just gonna back it up. Like I guess that was kind of Pernetti's plan originally. But that's from what I've heard. That's kind of the still the go-to. They want to do something with that front entrance, which I mean, definitely needs a hell of a lot of work. But it's going to take time. But this is a good start to it, and I think this money should at least fix a couple needs, whether that's bathrooms, whether that's concourse, whether that's priority seating, et cetera, et cetera. They're they're gonna this place is going to be interesting to see what it looks like in I want to say ten to fifteen years from now. Yeah, yeah. I found the terms of the deal too: twenty years for twenty-eight million dollars, so one point four million a year. More than a year, a mil. So that's that's what I'm saying. If the racks getting that much money, this this football stadium, as long as this team starts keeps going up and up and keeps recruiting better, football stadium deal is going to be a ton. Yeah, I don't know if yeah SHI or not. Like, does SHI have the money? Maybe. Like, I don't know, but. I think it was smart by Hobbs though, to really push for this deal now while the team is very relevant and probably on its like peak of a pike. Cause they're going to take a dip next year when they lose all their, their seniors. So that's most likely anyway. Yeah. You can't argue that. Yeah, probably that team's going to take a dip. Wrestling is probably not going to have the best year ever this year. Yep. So, I mean, this, this is like prime opportunity for Jersey Mike's arena. And it's going to be like, Ooh, like, Let's get some Jersey Mike's. I hope they have Jersey Mike's in there. Like, I, I don't care. Put the media lunch out and make it Jersey Mike's. That's all I want. If they don't, I, I, guarantee, I, I guarantee you there'll be there'll be a Jersey, at least a Jersey Mike stand in there somewhere. Absolutely. I know my guy TJ Hitchings. I don't know if you saw him on Twitter. They need to invest in a sub cannon. Screw the t-shirt cannon. Yeah. That's out the window. I want the sub cannon. I want to see it. I want to see someone get hit in the face by a sub. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be oh, hilarious. Yeah um wait yeah, Richard did. i remember i remember at one basketball game i was sitting next to you and, and you got hit with the t-shirt yeah i got oh no i dodged <laughs> it remember i dodged that t-shirt yeah, Those, you did, you just did, don't yeah. care they just fling them <laughs> yeah, that was oh, it was close i remember, no, yeah, was I remember we we're like on our laptops and all of a sudden it came it came right like, up <laughs> it's, it's tough it's tough to avoid these things man they just yeah. some of these cheerleaders i don't know what the hell they're doing like they just some have cannons and others are like going to throw straight and it hits like the press box and like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, we're too close to them yeah they just gotta move them back man jeez anyway. so uh let's move on to the wisconsin preview here guys uh wisconsin one of the tougher opponents will play all year they're currently ranked 21st in the nation you guys want to talk a little bit about what Rutgers is getting into on saturday yeah i'll i'll start um i know i put up an article on uh tuesday i believe it was a monday about about their defense, um, their their numbers are off the charts right now. They're like no, they're number one in you know, you know, allowing the, the least amount of yards you know in the in the country. Um, rushing defense, they're allowing like forty six yards per game. So I mean, Rutgers is gonna have a likely gonna have a really tough time running the ball. Um, they they did run for two hundred thirty yards against Illinois, but 
you know, Wisconsin's another animal there. Um, you know, the interesting thing that I saw that Wisconsin's only giving up 5.3 yards. I mean, yeah, 5.3 yards in total in, 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 in rushing and in their away games. Um, maybe something skewed that number, but that's just, I mean, five, five yards for the whole game. Like that's, like that's like Rutgers having a passing yard against Indiana a couple years ago. So, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. The the defense, you know, all three levels are really good. The passing defense is good as well. So, I mean, Rutgers has struggled with Wisconsin in the past. They're getting that scored like 116, so like 37, I want to say, off the top off the top of my head. So, just all all around, you know, Wisconsin they won a couple games in a row now, so they kind of hit in their stride too. So, uh, you know, Rutgers is gonna have their hands full for sure. I mean, you kind of just talked about it. This this Wisconsin team is pretty good. Um, I'm president of the Graham Merritt Sucks Club, so I'm going to tell you right <laughs> now, he is god-awful. He's not good. Uh, if Rutgers is playing against him, which they're most likely, I mean, the defense should have a field day a little bit with him. Now, in terms of the rushing defense, that has been dog shit for just about all season long, minus last week for the – I don't know what the hell happened, but against one of the better rushing teams in the conference. Yeah. Um. Malusi is a pretty damn good running back, 4.7 yards per carry. Their backup's averaging over six, maybe almost seven, I believe, 6.8 yards per carry. Um, so they're pretty good at running the ball. Their defense, though, they're, like you just said, Chris, their defense is really, really, really good. Yeah, they they've got some pretty insane stats. Linebacker defense. Herberg has six sacks. Leo Chanel, another linebacker, has five and a half. Noah Burks, um, I don't even know what Noah Burks plays. Linebacker, too? Yeah, he's a linebacker, too. Oh, yeah, I played three, four. I forgot. Yeah. Um, he has two sacks, two sacks, two and a half sacks, two sacks, one and a half sacks, one sack. It's like they're these guys are good on defense. And then on top of it, they have a couple good. They have a really good corner. And in, in, um, uh, we were just talking about it, Mike. What's what's his name? His name is Caesar Williams. Caesar Williams. And then they have a really good safety too. And I can't remember a name right now for the life of me. No, I mean. <laughs> but either way, they have good defensive backs. They have a really good team on defense. Um, I'm intrigued to see how this offensive line holds up against these guys. If Raekwon O'Neal is healthy, ideally he should be able to hold up a little bit at least on that left side. My bigger concern is the newer guys. Is Ireland Brown going to play again if he does start at left guard, which he looked good last week. I mean, I'm not complaining about him after last week. He actually looked like Greg even said it this week on Monday. He said he belonged. He looked like he belonged, which I think he did. He actually looked decent. If he can hold up, if Rainey can hold up, and if Pierce can hold up against this very talented Wisconsin defense, then maybe maybe they have a shot. And then you just got to force Graham Merritt to do something stupid like he's been doing all year long. But who knows? Yeah, like just to highlight how good this defense is, they're first in the nation in fewest yards allowed per game. They're first in the nation in terms of first downs allowed. They're second in the nation in third down conversion percentage. They're only allowing 25.5% of third downs to go for first downs, they're eighth in the nation in points per game, 12th in sacks and tackles for loss. And this is while playing the nation's third hardest schedule, according to Saragin. So, that's, like, that is yeah. so legit. That's what so, I was going to say. College football or sports reference has them as the number one hardest schedule. Like, they're five and three. Yeah, woohoo. Like, it looks like they lost a couple games. But, no, they're ranked opponent, ranked opponent, ranked opponent, ranked opponent, ranked opponent. It's like – and Army was ranked at 1.2, so you could throw them in there too. Yep. The only caveat about their defense, though, they're not forcing a lot of turnovers. They only got 11 turnovers through eight games. So they're basically just not allowing you to like do anything, but they're not taking the ball away, which I guess, I don't know, maybe that's a, a slight positive for Rutgers. It's, it's interesting. And then like on the end of the day, like their offense might be struggling, but it's still Wisconsin's offensive line. Yep. Looking at the recruit rankings before, it's like 5.73 star, 5.84 star, 5.73 star, like it's a highly rated kid still at the end of the day. They have one of the best centers in the country, one of the best guards in the country. Like they're, they're not a bad offensive line. It's just Graham Maris has no idea what the hell he's doing. I, I hate him, man. I hate him so much. He is <laughs> so bad. Like, just he is... like he signed that NIL deal before the season being all cocky with his like, Ooh, I'm six figures to who. And then he goes and throws three touchdowns and eight intercept or seven interceptions on the year. Like you suck. Yeah, he's only completing 55% of his passes. He's literally got no wheels. He, like, he doesn't ever run. Um, Give me Noah Vedral any day. Yeah. That's a ballsy statement. I might take that back. I mean, it'll be interesting if, if Rutgers can can show up on the, on the defensive end and, and stop him, you know, keep him at bay. Because, I mean, they've been giving up the big, the big plays all season in the passing game. Uh, but, you know, they did get Avery Young back last week, uh, you know, um, 
Uh, Max Mullins back as well. So, I mean, they're getting guys back. Um, so, I mean, it would be interesting to see. I mean, like you said, Rich, you know, I mean, they had they had to stop the running game first and foremost. That that's going to be key. Uh, but you know, make them make them. You know, I I guess I would say they want to make Wisconsin throw the ball. Uh, but you know, with that huge offensive line, you know, it'll be it'll be a tough challenge for sure. Who had Noah Vedro with having seven touchdowns and three interceptions, and Merritt's having three touchdowns and seven interceptions this year before the season? Yeah, like, that wasn't on my bingo card. <laughs> that's like a. I just looked. I'm looking at this now. Like just comparing stats between the two and. Federal's outplaying him like completely, and it's pretty crazy to say that. I mean, our offense in general might be better than theirs. If you just look at the numbers, like they're 100th in the FBS in yards per game. They're 111th in terms of score uh, points per game. They're 116th in turnovers lost, and they're 116th in turnover margin. Like they've lost on average two turnovers per game. Like they're just not careful with the ball at all. They've been cleaning it up over the last few games, but they're still successful. That's, that's why I'm intrigued. If Turner can get past that center by any means i know he's one of the best centers in the country but if a guy like turner or may- maybe my jay my jay's been looking pretty good lately mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of those two can just get past that interior of the offensive line or the wisconsin offensive line you, pro- you have a shot if you can cause graham merits to do something stupid like he's been <laughs> cause him to throw off balance throws cause him to just do fumble the ball or something maybe even get five in the backfield from time to time um are they it's not crazy like it's not the craziest thing in the world like yeah i mean i mean Rutgers blitzes their their safety is a lot uh which also <laughs> helps you know stopping the run but if it was if Wisconsin struggling to pass you know i think the safety blitz could work uh you just can't be you know too aggressive i know i wrote about that last so you you know it's there's a fun line where you can't be too aggressive so maybe hit hit you with a screen pass or something but um you know yeah like if they could get pressure on them you know who knows the only issue is a guy like Kendrick Pryor's like he's no joke. Like mm-hmm. he he could be like that Jalen Naylor type that Michigan State has and could explode at like any moment. So it's it's a tough it's a tough call there, but like I don't, I don't know. You gotta can't fully sell out on the pass game and just uh, or sell it on the run and then just hope that they can't pass the ball. But that might be the ideal game plan if you're Rutgers if you think you can pull this off. Yeah, a few caveats on their offensive line. <clears throat> their stud uh, offensive guard, their starting right guard, uh, missed last week's game against Iowa. He's questionable for this week. His name is okay. Josh Seltzner, I think. He's the 12th-ranked guard on PFF. Um, and their left tackle, his name's Tyler Beach. He's decent, but he's got, like, the second-worst pass rushing grade in the FBS, according to PFF. So he's just getting lit up in terms of pass rush. So that would be one place to exploit on the Rutgers defense if we can get some – some uh, some pressure on the quarterback's blind side. I mean, it's Rucker's defensive line, so I, I don't think the, 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 the edge, edge defenders has, are really going to have that. The edge has been bad this year. Anyachi hasn't done much. Tverdov's been a little bit quiet. Uh, Aaron Lewis missed last week due suspension. Um, Muhammad Toure, who's been actually relatively quiet this year, which I've been a little shocked by, but I still think he's learning that position on the edge instead of that linebacker spot he was at. But I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they can. Like you said, if. Maybe they're not fully healthy. Maybe they're not the best in the world. So who knows? Yep. Yep. We need to make this game ugly if we're going to take it, but we'll see how that goes. In the um, mantra this year. Yeah. I mean, it's just been get them down in the mud and get them dirty and see if you could. What's the you know, weather like? There's no shot at like looks ugly, right? Uh, it looked like it was going to be a nice day the last time I looked, like mid to high 50s, partly sunny. Uh, so, yeah. So they're kind of a little bit screwed on the whole muddy game yeah and it's turf so i don't think there's gonna be much mud coming up regardless <laughs> yeah would have been worth a shot yep so let's get into predictions uh this week there's seven uh big 10 games every big 10 team is playing another big 10 team uh we start off with ohio state who's ranked number five now playing at nebraska nebraska is a 14 and a half point home dog in this one uh, i'll start I think Ohio State's just a buzzsaw at this point. Last week, I thought they were going to dominate Penn State. Penn State held in there. Penn State made it a really tight game for most of it. Uh, I'm going to take Ohio State still here in the points. So I think this is a, a team in Nebraska that's been beaten down all season, had a lot of tough losses. They lost at home last week to Purdue as a favorite. And I think Ohio State wins going away. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you exactly. Uh, I, I watched that Nebraska-Purdue game last week, and I was surprised how badly uh, Nebraska and the quarterback played. Uh, you know, Ohio State ha- had a good fight against, uh, or Penn State had a, Penn State put up a good fight against Ohio State. 
Uh, but I'll say I'm with you on this one. I'll take Ohio State in the points. I mean, yeah, I watched last week too. Like, I, I think I actually picked Penn State with the points last week. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think uh, Penn State's that bad. I mean, maybe I'm showing a little bit of bias now at this point. But, uh, yeah, but Penn State Nebraska, super fan. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Ohio State's a good team. They're phenomenal. They've dominated most of their competition that's been around Nebraska's level. And I, I think 14's kind of low. And then 64 and a half, that's, I don't know if I touched that. That's, that's a weird number. Yeah, for sure. Next game on tap is Illinois at Minnesota. Minnesota is a 14 and a half point favorite. Uh, I mean, Minnesota's had a, quite an emergence the second half of the season. I think they're ranked 20th now. Uh, I think 20 point or 14 and a half points is still a lot for them to cover. I wouldn't bet on this game. If I had to pick, I guess I would pick Minnesota in the points, but I would not feel good about it. Yeah, I'm going to go Minnesota in this one, but I'm going to take Illinois uh, for the for the points. Uh, they, you know, both teams really want to really want to run the ball. I think you'll be a somewhat, I guess, you know, quick game, I guess, if, you know, I guess you could say, uh, but I'll go, I'll go, uh, you know, Minnesota, but I'll go with the points for Illinois. Uh, I mean, we just talked about it before the show, PJ Fleck, new extension guys are going to be fired up. He'll be fired up. Um, he's always, just, fired. he's always fired up. I know. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just destroyed Northwestern. They beat Maryland pretty bad. I think those two teams are eerily similar to Illinois, if not slightly better. So, I mean, I, I don't see a reason why you don't go Minnesota with the points at minus 14 and a half. For sure. Uh, the next game on tap is number 22, Iowa at uh, Northwestern. Northwestern is an 11 and a half point underdog in this one. I mean, Iowa has been so disappointing the last few weeks. They just can't do anything on offense. I don't see that changing this week. Like Northwestern is not a phenomenal team, but they are just pathetic on offense. They're great on defense, kind of similar to Wisconsin, but even Wisconsin put up a lot of points on them. I'm actually going to go with Northwestern this one, uh, not straight up but with the points. I don't see Iowa blowing out anybody the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, both teams have a have have good defenses. Uh, you know, Northwestern has really good linebackers uh, and everything like that. So. Uh, I think I'm going to, you know, I feel, I feel like I'm following you this whole way, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to go uh, Northwestern with the points here. Hop on. I mean, you, you guys kind of just – I'm tailing you guys. Like, this is just an ugly matchup. Iowa's been kind of bad lately. Yeah. Uh, Northwestern's run game is pretty, pretty damn good still. Like, Evan Hole is still a very good running back. Stephen Robinson or Stephen Robinson, who we saw against Rutgers, is a pretty good wide receiver. When they give the quarterback time, they're able to look pretty decent. And I think uh, Iowa's not the best in the world. So I think you go Northwestern with the points. Ugly game, though. Yeah, definitely ugly. Uh, The next game is Indiana is playing at number seven, Michigan. Michigan's a 19 and a half point favorite. Uh, Indiana has just seen the wheels fall off on their season. Um, They lost a a tight game last week at Maryland, uh, 38 to 35. Michigan lost a heartbreaker last week. Uh, on the road versus Michigan State. This is a lot of points to cover. Like, Indiana has played pretty well on defense for most of the year. They haven't been totally inept on offense. I don't see Michigan covering these points, but I think they win comfortably. Probably something like 10 points. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Michigan with this one, uh, with the points. Um, I know Indiana has, you know, quarterback struggles. Uh, Michigan, I I, I think Michigan's going to want to get the you know, you get the bad taste out of their mouth from last week. Uh, so I think they'll be fired up at home in a big crowd. So I'll go, I'll go Michigan. Who's in charge of the big 10 scheduling? Like who decided this was prime time? Like, I wish I knew, man. I mean, I Purdue Michigan state should have been the prime time game in my opinion, at least at the very least, if not, I'm trying to think Penn state, Maryland, maybe. So I th- isn't the, isn't BTN kind of owned by Fox? They are yeah, yeah. a partnership yeah. with Fox. So I think Fox picks like the primetime game. So Fox for... is like, give me Michigan versus that really bad Indiana team. I'd imagine. I mean, the Michigan, like you, you had posted something about how good the ratings were last weekend. Maybe yeah. they just want to tail the, the ratings bump that they saw. I guess, I guess you kind of ride the Michigan fan base, but they're probably pissed off at this point after last week. So right. I don't know. I would have put Michigan state up there. I think you'll see a lot of Michigan fans start to, you know, go into the bush and then come out with a green Jersey on. <laughs> but uh yeah that I, I do think uh michigan rolls this one i think 20 points is probably more than enough uh indiana's bad they're really bad this year um which is crazy to say because they just had a really good la- season last year so 
No, they started off. It's hard to believe they started off the season as the 17th ranked team in the country. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm kind of shocked at that one. Michael Penix, though, getting hurt definitely hurt them. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's been a big blow to their team, and he hasn't been the same since he came back. Uh, other than that, they're just they look lost completely, and they're on a four game skid. I expect it to be a five game skid, which is kind of good news for Rutgers fans. I mean, unless yeah. you're you think they get a bounce back, which is not crazy. <sighs> that Indiana game, I, I think the Rutgers can win that one. It's I'm, looking I'm way I'm, more I'm, winnable I'm than it ahead. did. Well, they, they played Michigan State so tight. I was thinking to myself, like, there's no way Rutgers can stay in this game. But they've looked pretty bad the last couple weeks, too. I so. mean, the Maryland game was so, like, weird. Because yep. like, you haven't seen them score at all. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, 35 points. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, which kind of might be, a, a, you know, a statement about how bad uh, Maryland's defense is, too. And then there's your bowl game. <laughs> So speaking of Maryland, uh, the next game on the list here is Penn State at Maryland. Maryland is a 10.5-point underdog in this one. <clears throat> I don't see a way that Maryland uh, sticks around in this one. Uh, I think Penn State wins it pretty easily, probably by something like 20 points. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Penn State in this one as well. Um, I think the spread is a little, is a little low-ish a little bit. Um, but yeah, Penn State, you know, you know, they were came up, you know, they threw everything at Ohio State last week. They were fired up. They played as well as they have all season. Um, maybe there's some letdown after after the loss and after after they poured everything into it. Um, but I'm gonna still go uh, Penn State with the, in, in this one. I mean, I, I said this all season long. Maryland lost their top two receivers in uh, Demas and Jones, so they're kind of screwed on offense. This might be the first game all season long where Tayon Fleet Davis, the running back for Maryland, is the leading rusher between both teams all um, <laughs> going into a game. He's been struggling, so is Penn State's run game. But Penn State's pass game, Penn State's passing game, should be able to take care of Maryland's uh, secondary. This should be an easy win for Penn State. Ten points almost seems like a lock to me, but I don't know. It, it's it's at Maryland, so that's going to play a factor. But I do I do like Penn State here by ten, at least ten, if not more. Yeah, Maryland, they've got – they're 5-3 and three right now. They only need one more win to uh, to clinch bowl eligibility, but they got a brutal schedule before, uh, leading up to Rutgers. Yeah. So they'll be having a lot to play for as well that final week probably. I, I was I – meant, I meant to mention this about Maryland. I, I was going to mention on the other pod, but on, on this one, like looking at – dude, just looking at the recruits, almost every single one of their starters is an Independence Community College kid or County College, whatever it is. Like it's pretty really? wild how many JUCOs they have starting for them. There's at least like 10 between offense and defense, which is, I guess it's a strategy, but like, what the hell? I guess they have a lot more relaxed uh, academic standards than Rutgers because it seems like Rutgers can't ever get a kid out of a JUCO. You said it. I mean, you you didn't say that. I said that. (laughs) Tinfoil hat man can say that. Uh, Publisher can't say that. Um, Maryland, (laughs) it's that easy to get into Maryland. They should have applied out of high school. Not wrong. Could have got that little like plaque on the the little like printout paper they put on the high school wall. Got into Maryland. (laughs) Me and like 400 other kids. Yikes. I got to stop. I'm done. And my dad went to Maryland though. Uh, See, I'm seeing. Look what I did. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Uh, The next game before uh, we talk about Rutgers and Wisconsin is number three, Michigan at Purdue. This line is very strange to me. Michigan State, sorry. Number three, Michigan State. Uh, Purdue is a two-and-a-half-point underdog in this one. Wow. Michigan State's had a lot of weird lines uh, this season, I've noticed. Uh, I don't think Vegas is totally bought in on them. And if you look at who they played, I mean, it makes sense if you run down their schedule. Like, they haven't – like, their hardest game clearly was playing Michigan. I mean, if you just run it down, they played at Northwestern. They played Youngstown State. They played the fraud of Miami, Nebraska, Western Kentucky, Rutgers, and Indiana prior to that Michigan game. And they look great against Michigan. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to say Michigan State wins this one pretty easily, but this line is very fishy to me. Yeah, I'm going to go Michigan State uh, in in this one. But, you know, Purdue has really good defense. They've kind of played really well in in some some of their games this season, especially on defense, like I said. Uh, You know, Kenny, you know, Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, Heisman candidate right now for Michigan State. Um, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if he could get, you know, more. It'll be interesting to see if he could get if he could get a go again against Purdue. So, I mean, I'm gonna go Michigan State in this one. You know, two two and a half points it isn't a lot, 
Um, so I mean, all you're asking is for a field goal here. So I'll go, I'll go Michigan State. Man, like Kenneth Walker, I know me and Mike talked about the other day. Plus six hundred for Heisman's pretty wild right now. Yeah, yeah that's well. those odds haven't moved either. Really? So yeah, no so one's really anybody... it then. That's kind of insane to me, just because it's plus six hundred. Like that's a really good odds for Heisman, but. Um, yeah, Michigan State's been dominant. I think it's time to stop sleeping on them. I don't think Purdue's the best in the world, so I, I think you go easily. Michigan State minus three. Like I'd even like do the alternate spreads at this point and probably add a little more. Yeah, this this is like the classic letdown <clears throat> game, though. Like they're not going to be able to match the intensity of Purdue unless they have like a world class motivator. And I don't know if Mel Tucker's that guy, but you're coming off one of the biggest wins in program history last week. And you're going to go on the road to Purdue, a team that's already knocked off one undefeated team in Iowa this year. True, very true. So they need to really be a hundred percent ready to play, or they might get upset here. Uh, you mean this is, future LSU head coach Mel Tucker? That's true. Yeah, I, I mean that guy is just has no qualms about bouncing from a job. I, I can see it happening too. Like if you yeah. look at this roster, there's so many transfers he brought in, and they're not going to be here for maybe even next year most of them like i could see him just being like yep did my thing here out see you later <laughs> I, yep. yeah, plus the money like if you're even if you're there for two years you're gonna make a shit ton of lsu and then you bounce I, back you go to be a coordinator somewhere and then like since he hires you i'd be more surprised if he stayed than if he left at this point yeah i can't see him. if they he gets offered any job that's a big job like lsu or i don't even know who else is going to open up at this point but USC? I, I is he know, not a USC I don't guy? I if he's a USC guy. I, I do think, like we talked about before, I do think Franklin's still in those rumors quite a bit, which is interesting. And then, obviously, Fickle. Like, what does Fickle do? Does Fickle hop up to Michigan State? He already told him no once, but maybe increase the offer this offseason and be like, all right, come on, like, dude, we need you. Come on. So it's, it's an interesting situation with Fickle. Like, what do you think he's waiting for? Like, what job do you think is his dream job? And I, he's already been at Ohio State for one year, and that didn't really go well. I mean, he's obviously had a lot more experience now as a head coach. What job do you think Fickle would 100% leave for? Because it seems like he's waiting for something. I think it's Ohio State, 100%. I think Ryan Day, it's only a matter of time until, like, an NFL coaching job opens up and they're like, all right, like, we get it. You love college and all screw the recruiting part that's come here and let's do this and let's try it out give him a shot and then like the guy's never coached outside of ohio he's an ohio native didn't i think he didn't he play for um ohio state it, played for ohio state like the only time he's it seems like he's ever been out of the state was when he made the nfl for the saints that's about it <laughs> he's coached at ohio state coached at akron coached back at ohio state then cincinnati it's like why leave the state of ohio unless you're waiting for something and it's like as long as since he keeps paying them, what is it, four or five million a year? Yeah, he's making a lot. There's no reason to leave, really, until that Ohio State job opens up and I see him as candidate number one right away. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I just wanted to hear it from you. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't see a reason why why he's not. like. And plus, since he's like, since he's kind of investing in like program, so it's like – I mean, the Big 12 the Big now? 10, I know you already own Ohio technically. And you don't want to keep hitting the same exact regions over and over and over again. You want to expand a little bit like everyone else is. But since he wouldn't be a bad addition to the Big Ten. But you're like, if you're going to talk TV money, like, and all that stuff, like, fuck that. Like, there's no point. I think Ohio State would firmly yes. veto that one. Probably true. Yeah. But like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm trying I to think, think like, oh, where would the Big Ten even go? I know Virginia, North Carolina, like the, dimensioned ones but I, i'm tired of like going on this coast like go down south so the, a little more the big 10 really could just kind of ask whoever they want and <sighs> they might accept like the big 10 is going to get a massive tv deal when those come up for extensions like arguably like i mean they already have the biggest deal but they're, they're gonna, gonna have, have like an even bigger, bigger lead this yeah. next time so schools are only in this for money so the, this, the SEC has already fired their first shot. The number one team for the Big Ten probably would have been Texas if that was available to them. Yeah. I don't see any SEC teams leaving for the Big Ten just based on, you know, how ingrained that culture is down there. I don't think they'd be good fits. I think their first target would probably be Notre Dame. Of I don't know if Notre Dame would want to leave I don't know if they do their it. independent status. They're, they're so content with that independent type thing. And then you get a couple rivalries still of the ACC every year, whatever. I, I don't know if they'd ever do it. I don't see. A I don't think they would either. 
I think they got such a good gig that they'd be dumb to leave that situation, but that would be their number one target. The other targets I've heard kicked around really aren't inspiring. It's like Virginia and North Carolina. They USC fit. would be cool for hoops because that just emphasizes how good this conference would be for hoops, but they'd have to change their whole scheme. Like they're very guard dominant with like occasional, like solid big man, but those solid big man, when I don't think these guys would last in the big 10, like I'm, Sorry to say, but like they're not as good as like these big. If they had to go through a Big Ten schedule each year, I think UNC has a couple more losses each season in hoops. Yeah, it's a tough conference. Um, Crazy to say, but but I think kind of like like there isn't a great fit that's like a, a home run outside of Notre Dame for the Big Ten. <clears throat> well, people say like Georgia Tech. People say like Virginia Virginia Tech. They say UNC. Like I don't none of these like really sell to me. Like you want a big market, so let's go UConn. No, I'm just kidding. Oh God, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, I don't know what's gonna happen with them either. They're they're kind of wait, but aren't isn't UConn's like New York's you know six borough or whatever? Hey, hey, that's New York City's program. New York City, yeah, New York City's program, <laughs> yeah, whatever it was. How the hell like do you even like you got balls to say that? Yeah, it makes it makes no sense. Is there like a if you just think of like the divergence in our athletic departments from like let's say 2014 to now, like. UConn coming off two national titles in basketball in four years. They won. They got to like a BCS Bowl, and then the AAC split happens, and Rutgers gets the Big Ten, and UConn falls off a cliff as an athletic department. They should have either dropped football right then and there, or they should have tried to get invest as much. I mean, they the crazy thing is they do have an indoor practice facility for football. Rutgers does not. Yeah. And their, their governor did come out, too, and said, like, we're going to support the program. So it's not crazy. Like, I actually heard a name yesterday that was meant that could be for that job. And it's intriguing because apparently they have the money for him. Al Golden. Where's he at now? Uh, Detroit Lions, like, linebacker coach or something. It's If he wanted to go back to college, they said UConn would be very, very interested and would pay him. Interesting. And, and honestly, if he, if he built a staff up there, I, I don't see, like, UConn, you're not facing that many good opponents. You should be able to put together at least – a semi-decent team with local kids. Are they independent now? Yeah. Or are they so, in the AAC? Yeah, but they're playing like all kinds of randos. Like they, they play UMass every year in the, the cum bowl. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite one. I love what they call it that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's a good I think one. I saw somebody somebody edited the uh, the rivalry page on Wikipedia to have like an alternate uh, UMass right. logo that was the U and the M. Oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's fucked. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think like I know we got really off track here, but I don't think UConn like is that far off from being like decent. Not I shouldn't say decent. Like they're not power five decent, but they they could compete in group five. Yeah, they could be far above where they're currently at, which is literally I mean, the they, worst program in the bad. nation. They yeah. shouldn't be nowhere near this bad. It's still a state school. It still have a pretty good facilities, decent program. The rent's not the best place in the world, but still Connecticut at the end of the day. But you have guys like Robert Kraft, like helping out the university with like his private jet from time to time, given that he gave the football team a, a ride somewhere. I forget one of the games they used a Patriots jet. Like he, they, they have funding too. like, I get it. You love basketball. You love men's and women's basketball up there, but invest a little in football. See what you can do. Yeah. You would have, I mean, they, they rehired Edsel and like the, the biggest, like, like nostalgia Hail Mary of all time. Like, <laughs> Oh, he's, he's going to bring the program back to the BCS. Like, no, dude, like, he wasn't good at Maryland. Like, stop. Mm-hmm. Just cut it. Yeah. His next hire is going to be make or break for this program. Either they hire someone shitty and it just down in the dumps even further and at that point drops a program or you hire an Al Golden type and it's like, oh, shit, maybe, maybe we can win five games a year, six games. Get a bowl. Like, get some money. This got really be a dumpster fire. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Sorry to the Rutgers fans for the UConn divergence here. We do still have a prediction to make. Uh, The newly ranked number 21 Wisconsin Badgers are coming to SHI Stadium this weekend to play the Rutgers Scarlet Knight. Rutgers is a 13 and a half point underdog. That line has been creeping up all week. Uh, I think it opened at like 11 and now it's at 13 and a half. The over under is also 37 and a half. This is a game that. I think Rutgers matches up better than the line looks. I think it's two very similar teams, two teams that have relatively bad offenses and better defenses than their offense. Uh, Wisconsin is just a much more 
magnified version of that. Their, their defense is phenomenal. Rutgers' defense is okay. That being said, I do think Wisconsin wins this one, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be like a, a seven to 10 point game. Interesting. So I did, I did a, uh, I did like a Q and a type thing with the Wisconsin rival site the other day. And, you know, they asked me for, you know, for my prediction and everything. And uh, so I'm going Wisconsin 34, 10 over, over Rutgers. I, okay. I do, I do think, you know, I know it's a big, big margin, but uh, as you've seen over the years, that's really been, you know, the margin of, you know, Wisconsin Rutgers games. And I think, you know, the meat and potatoes inside in the trenches, I think that's going to make the difference here. Um, you know, we haven't really, we don't know what the Rutgers offense is going to look like, you know, is, is Cookshank going to play or not? You know, they really haven't been able, they haven't really been explosive or anything. And the Wisconsin defense is just too tough. Um, I think they'll you know, have a good field position because of that, uh, despite Adam Korsak's wizard, uh, you know, kicks and everything. But uh, anyway, so I'm going to go Wisconsin, yeah, 34-10. Yeah, I mean, this Wisconsin defense is really good. We've seen the Rutgers offense struggle at times quite a bit this year actually i shouldn't say at times um <laughs> at times know. they haven't struggled is a better way to say i mean yeah, yeah they've looked okay at times like there's like hey 50 points against delaware or 40 something <laughs> whatever it was yeah. uh 45 delaware 61 temple i i don't know it's just this this wisconsin defense is just too damn good um Rutgers and wisconsin's offense sucks but Rutgers defensive line hasn't done much at all so i don't see them getting that much pressure on an offensive line that End of the day has struggled for Wisconsin, but is still very, very talented. Graham Mertz is probably not going to do a whole of a hell of a lot. That's just because I'm being biased and I hate him. But the running game for Wisconsin is pretty damn good too. So, and Rutgers rush defense is obviously not that good. Yeah, at, I, at times, I, I, at times I should say at times. Yeah, right. Illinois, like when they sell out against the run, they yeah, great. Sure. But, when, but Graham Mertz still has talent. I hate to say it. I really hate to say it. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I, I don't see Rutgers winning this. I think Wisconsin kind of has this one in the bag. Um, what is it, 13 points? 13 and a half. I, I think it's going to be uglier than that. I think it'll be like 7 to 10, something like that. I think Rutgers will be competitive, and that's all you can kind of ask for going into what could be last three games, could be a bowl game eligibility right there. Wisconsin has a ton to play for. They have a fairly easy schedule until the last week when they play at Minnesota. But if they win out, they're going to be representing the Big Ten West in the Big Ten title game. So they, wow. they've won four in a row, and they're clearly – they've found a way to get over their deficiencies, which is the, their entire offense. And they've been winning handily the last few weeks. So yeah, maybe I – Wow. <clears throat> yep. yeah, maybe I want to revise my prediction a little bit. I, I think Wisconsin is, is going to be motivated for this game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. Hey, maybe this is the week uh, you take the loss and you're like, screw it, we're taking Jalen Burger. <laughs> That'd that's be how you a, kind I, of get them back. First, you take what Krugshank, then you take Burger, and then you just next season or whenever they play them again, they're screwed. Yeah, they are coming off six games in a row too. They, their bye was the uh, third week in September, <laughs> so maybe they're beat up. Clearly, they are a little bit because their guard missed last week against Iowa. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about it. Like, if there's no Krupshank, I don't see a way that their special teams does anything against Wisconsin. Right, exactly. Oh, no. I like, mean, it's funny. I, I tweeted something about this, but watching Avery Young return punts as the number two, it's like watching like a like a the bizarro world of Aaron Krupshank because Young looks like he's moving in cement shoes compared to Krupshank. Uh, yeah, can't stress that enough. That's – that's a bad one. I don't know why. I get it. Like fair catch, maybe he's your most trustworthy like punt returner. But I, I if you're gonna try to make any return out of it, actually just sell the house. Just go for the block at this point. Yeah, Doesn't I mean, seem he, like they've been doing that it. this year. He's a lot. done it for a couple of years. So yeah, it's but, weird. But yeah, but done it yeah, since really Chiano's return really that much. Yeah. Like they haven't really sold out. And I don't know if that's a Shire type of thing <clears> or maybe. But I mean, when you have a guy like Krukshank, there's no really real reason to sell the house. At least give him a little couple blocks and the guy's gone. Like, I don't know. But now that you don't have him, sell the house. Screw it. Like, throw everyone right at the punter. Don't touch the punter, obviously. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, kick returning is a different story. That thing's just, that's just as ugly. Like, everyone just looks lost. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, Jesse Parsons announced he's leaving the program. Uh, he had a couple kick returns this year. What was the deal with that? Like, he was like he shined in training camp. He looked pretty good. Chris Chris could vouch for me too. Like he, yeah, he looked yeah, pretty decent. He like he's yeah. fast. He's quick. He's young. 
it's like, all right, maybe this kid could step up next year or whenever Kirkshank leaves in the slot. Like, all right, see what happens. And then all of a sudden they're like, ooh, he fumbled the kick return. Done. And I guess he was just kind of like, oh, fuck you, I'm out. Yeah, it was surprising. It was surprising to me because I thought, I thought, like you said, you know, he has, you know, he's he's young guy. He, I thought he had a bright, a bright future at Rutgers. So, um, yeah, I I thought he was good. And again, like you're you're losing a lot of dudes, but this is probably kind of what you want a little bit because you got to get down to that eighty five number next year. You're gonna have to push guys out, whether that's at receiver, whether that's at, I don't even know, defensive line, offensive. There's way too many offensive linemen on this team, in my opinion. I think there's. 17, 18 on scholarship. If if we uh, find out if Holland Pierce is on ship or not, which I would think at this point should imagine be. if not now, he will be after this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be eighteen linemen. Well, minus three next year. Still, you're gonna have fifteen. You're gonna have like twenty linemen on scholarship. So I think you're gonna see a couple guys get bumped out there. I don't know who or when, but I'm sure you can kind of take your guesses based on who's playing, who's not eligibility wise. Um, yeah, they're they're gonna have to keep pushing guys out. So I mean, at the end of the day, it was either kind of tell them like, hey, you're at the bottom of the depth chart, or people realize, hey, I'm at the bottom of the depth chart. Shit, like, let me get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I think I honestly, I hate to say, it, I do think you see a quarterback transfer, just because obviously Wimsat looks like he'll be starter number one next year or QB one, probably Vedral back for another year, and then the other two who haven't played. I guess you can kind of take your guess on who would leave out of those two, but. I mean, they're both freshman eligibility. I mean, it, it'd be hard if I'm in their shoes to stick around knowing what's coming next year. It's it's tough because, like, I don't think – I think Cole Schneider's not the worst. I think he could go down a level and play a lot. I, I We haven't seen enough out of Evan Simon to determine that, but Cole Schneider could definitely go play at another level. Yeah. I mean, but, he, he he didn't play as well last time. Uh, but, you know, every, every, every other time, you know, he came in, uh, you know he he did a good job and got I know I mean, it's mostly like garbage time and everything but uh, yeah he has he has done a pretty good job. But then it goes back to the saying like your quarterback room's dead at that point. Yeah. There's three right. going to be three quarterbacks next year on scholarship. Two if they both leave. You just yeah. are, I guess if you count Gavin Rupp technically I guess you could throw him on ship if you really need to be. But yeah. like that's. Ohio State's been a, a team that's been down to the third string at times. Like it's just scary thought. Yeah, third third string and winning a national championship. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> Cardell Jones is a little different, but yeah, little, little compare different. Cardell Jones to Evan Simon and it's like right, oh, right. Or like Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. Like, Look at that. That one, is like. that is probably the most insane thing of, of the season. Like Caleb Williams is the number one graded quarterback on PFF now by a lot. And he wasn't even playing this year earlier in the year. Where he's got to be up there in the Heisman odds too, right? Uh, I think he is actually. Yeah. But he's just, he's pushing it, but there's just like, he, he missed too much of the season. He's, he's plus eight fifty on FanDuel. Okay. Um, I can't believe CJ Stroud's up there. Like the top five are Bryce Young's at plus one fifty, CJ Stroud's at plus three fifty, Matt Corral's plus 600, Kenneth Walker's at plus 600 and Caleb Walker's at plus eight fifty. I mean, it, these these Heisman votes are often determined by like a single late season game where a guy like single-handedly has like performance that nobody expected or it was like insane. So that's why I think Kenneth Walker should be like the favorite. Like that game is going to resonate with voters when they actually actually put pen to paper in the voting period. So. Yeah. I, it's weird. Cause I, I forget the exact period, but I think it's also during like it's right before or it's during college football um, what it conference? It's the championship weekend. The votes have to be in by, so you don't yeah, even get those like, performances towards your your vote. And I hate that because so many people are. I feel like don't watch college football enough that are voters, and I hate to like badmouth my fellow voters, but <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people just base it on like late season, and I feel like they don't watch the beginning of the season. But I think that's every trophy, pretty much. That's like every MVP. Yeah. Trophy. it's like right. oh, like he, he was great in the beginning of the season, but he sucked in the last half, and it's like yeah, but he's still really good in the beginning, like. I don't know. It's it's a tough call, but it's gonna be interesting. It definitely will be. Um, I think we're going a little long here. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any uh, last thoughts for Rutgers fans for this weekend or anything moving forward? Um, I got I got one. I know we talked about it before we started recording, uh, but field hockey uh, goalie Gianna Glatz was the co Big Ten Player of the Year. So kudos to her. Uh, they're you know ranked number like three, I want to say, 
uh, in, in the in the country. They're uh, they had the most wins this season against Big Ten uh, in since joining the Big Ten. Uh, they had a phenomenal season. They beat almost everyone they played has been ranked this season. So um, they'll they'll be in the NCAA tournament, and uh, they're a, ve- a very good team, honestly. So yeah. Um, are you Brewfest for the game? Uh, very tempting. Very very tempting. Not gonna lie. Um, yeah. Uh, I think you can't you can't really deny that. That's like fifty brews, like. How do you say no to that? For like, what is it? Like, if you have the ticket, I think you already get in or something. Or you got to pay an extra. Uh, I think I think season ticket holders actually have to pay extra. I think Ooh. it's like a marketing ploy to to mind. get people to show up to the game. Yeah. It's... Or just bring your own beer in a cooler and tailgate. That works. There you go. If you Old have fashion. a tailgate, let me know because I'll save the fifty bucks and just get a beer from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I'll just uh, I'll drink my own beer. It's fine. Then I'll go write the story, but. No, we're kidding. <laughs> kidding again. Haas, don't yell at me. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, uh, it should be an interesting game this weekend. Like we said before, pretty decent weather. Um, not the most confident in the world, but uh, Graham Mertz sucks, and I'm going to keep that one going. You didn't me- We didn't mention Chris Ash. Oh, that's a oh. first. That is a first. Interested in that one, but uh, yeah, I can't say anything else about the Here, guy. I'll say something nice about him. Chris Ash recruited Adam Corsak. There you go. There you go. There you go. He went he went himself to Australia, watched him punt, and said, this is my guy. I need him on my team. He, he also recruited. Did that. He did recruit Aaron Krukshank. Didn't get him, but he did recruit him. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm done. I'm done for the day. I'm out. I'm tired. Yeah. All right, everybody. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. I appreciate Richie and Chris fighting through some uh, some sickness today. I hope you guys feel better. And this has been episode seven of the Night Report podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.